0: Good morning. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday and I don't know um, how many folks actually walked in through the foyer, but we got to see um, a big, bright, red, beautiful creation of the godly play kids um, to celebrate the color of Pentecost and it's hanging out front. So, And Robin wrote a um, description of Pentecost for us as we're Trying to remember our church calendar. Um, Okay, so this morning I had a a much different story to open with. Yesterday morning it was funny. um, I could anticipate and hear where last might happen. um, But it was a story about ordinary, everyday pain, you know, casual cruelty that happens, schoolyard stuff, which can be intense, but. we often eventually laugh about or at least make peace with if our pain or embarrassment or shame is shared and something we can talk about. Um, But uh, David, we were here putting up the cloth yesterday and he was talking about the news feed, about what's going on in the world and um, more terrorist attacks in London. Um, I texted Misty and she's like, there have been bombings at a funeral in Afghanistan and Kabul that have been going on. Like a lot of people murdered. Um, and then David, on my way to uh, here this morning, called me and said uh, there was another uh, murder last night in Duarte, just down near Shrode in California. A 16-year-old Duarte High School boy was was killed. And so I'm like. Um, yeah, victims' bodies, rescuers. Um, it just felt like the tone was really different. That our faces are really shoved into tragedy. People are shoved into tragedy, and that um, that we are uh, in places of uncontrollable, seemingly uncontrollable powerlessness. And um, so we're gonna we're going a little different than anticipated this morning. So I want to just quickly start with a prayer. I'm buzzing. Thank you. Um, So we're gonna open with prayer. Jesus, we ask that you be with our neighbors nearby and around the world who are faced with death and destruction today. Uh, Make yourself known in the gestures of your people we ask that you bring your healing, your forgiveness, and your hope into these places. Amen. Okay, this morning we're back in Matthew, um, Matthew 9:14 through 38. It's not a wide-angle lens um, on tragedy, but it's an up-close, personal, ordinary, um, ordinary tragedy, and not so much ordinary. Um, we have some readers. If you all could get ready, we wanted to hear this um, passage in voices, because there are at least five, six voices in the passage, Um, I'd like us to be able to hear it.
1: A little later, John's followers approached, asking why is it that we and the Pharisees rigorously discipline body and spirit by fasting, but your followers don't?
2: When you're celebrating a wedding, you don't skimp on the cake and wine, you feast. Later, you may need to pull in your belts, but not now. No one throws cold water on a friendly bonfire. This is kingdom come. No one cuts up a fine silk scarf to patch up old work clothes. You want fabrics that match, and you don't put your wine in cracked bottles.
1: As he finished saying this, a local official appeared, bowed politely, and said,
2: My daughter has just now died. If you come and touch her, she will live.
1: Jesus got up and went with him, his disciples following along. Just then, a woman who had hemorrhaged for 12 years slipped in from behind and lightly touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, If I can just put a finger on his robe, I'll get well. Jesus turned, caught her at it. Then he reassured her.
2: Courage, daughter. You took a risk of faith and now you're well.
1: The woman was well from then on. By now they had arrived at the house of the town official and pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing casseroles. Jesus was abrupt.
2: Clear out. This girl isn't dead. She's sleeping.
1: They told him he didn't know what he was talking about. But when Jesus had gotten rid of the crowd, he went in, took the girl's hand, and pulled her to her feet, alive. The news was soon out and traveled throughout the region. As Jesus left the house, he was followed by two blind men crying out,
2: Mercy, son of David, mercy on us.
1: When Jesus got home, the blind men went in with him. Jesus said to them,
2: Do you really believe I can do this? Why, yes, master.
1: He touched their eyes and said,
2: Become what you believe.
1: It happened, they saw, then Jesus became very stern.
2: Don't let a soul know how this happened.
1: But they were hardly out the door before they started blabbing it to everyone they met. Right after that, as the blind men were leaving, a man who had been struck speechless by an evil spirit was brought to Jesus. As soon as Jesus threw the evil, tormenting spirit out, the man, the man talked away just as if he'd been talking all his life. The people were up on their feet applauding. There's never been anything like this in Israel. The Pharisees were left sputtering, hocus pocus. It's nothing but hocus pocus. He's probably made a pact with the devil. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke so confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd.
2: What a huge harvest. How few workers. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. The word of the Lord.
0: Okay. Okay. I think maybe some of you have noticed the beautiful pink handouts, you know, interspersed throughout. What we're going to do is we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the passage. Um, We're going to break into small groups for about five minutes and we're going to look at um, what kinds of problems people were bringing to Jesus, um, what strikes you about them. Um, Notice the actions in the passage, what gestures um, the people made, how did Jesus respond, what gestures did he use to heal and then anything that you noticed that showed trust. So the questions are on the pink sheets, the passage is on the pink sheets, as well as the questions. And so I'm going to watch the time, and we're going to um, talk amongst ourselves. So what do we notice in the passage? We're going to first we're going to go um, question by question. Um, what kind of questions or what kind of problems were the people bringing? To Jesus, what struck you about the kinds of problems that they were bringing?
2: We we talked about, uh, there's a sense of desperation throughout these problems, or problems that uh, brought several of them to
0: complete the of desperation. Desperation. Great. Anything else? They're all physical. They're all physical problems. Okay. Any other observations? They had no power to do anything about the situation on their own. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about um, the gestures that you notice? Because my first reading through this, I was just like smacked all over the place with um, how tactile and how active um, the passage was. What did you guys notice? What well, jumped out at you? Right. And the speechless person
2: couldn't ask himself so he was brought to Jesus. Um, And then the other two instances were people showing their own face so the woman with hemorrhaging and the two blind men, or yeah, the two blind men coming to Jesus.
0: that's a great distinction. Thank you. Any other, anything else about those two? Okay. What about the um? What are the gestures that you noticed that demonstrated trust? I was also struck by this. What, what did people actually, behaviorally do? Naomi? Well, especially the woman who's covered things who have been unclean, she has no fear to just touch Jesus because she trusts that he's not going to shame her. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. When I was looking at the, um, when I was looking at the passage, I, I was noticing that the kinds of problems and I noticed what you noticed about the problems that um, the nature of the problems that people were bringing to Jesus were things that they really didn't have any power to do anything about on their own. Um, when I hear problem, I automatically hear the corresponding word solution. Um, or at least begin wondering about what the solution is or what possibilities might exist that a situation could be changed. But what these, um, these people were bringing to Jesus were death, um, bleeding, chronic illness that's lasted over a decade, blindness, the inability to speak. Um, what we might imagine along with these were fear, or anxiety, um, being at the end of one's resources. The, another account of the woman um, who'd hemorrhaged for 12 years in another of the gospels said that she'd spent all of her resources looking and looking for help and going to various doctors and nothing had worked for her. Um, we might imagine despair, certainly financial insecurity, um, social isolation that Naomi mentioned, Uh, inability to work. Um, These problems that they brought, um, like many in our own lives, or like the tragedies we see in our neighborhoods and on the news, were problems that they were powerless to fix. They were problems without solutions. Um, Yeah, problems that they had no ability to change the outcome in, which is a desperate place to be. Powerlessness um, makes us really uncomfortable because it makes us understand our vulnerability. Um, and that, that the news today, yesterday, um, makes us feel that and experience that in different ways, our own life, our own lives, because we know one another's stories or we're learning one another's stories and we know places of vulnerability. Um, and this made me wonder, like, we we'll often jump to like a cause-effect scenario because we we like to think that problems have solutions and we can affect change and we can in a lot of a lot of instances. But there are a lot of places in our lives, and certainly in these people's lives, that um, a cause-effect universe doesn't doesn't work. Um, the disciples, when they had sin- when they interacted with one of the blind men, they asked Jesus, "Well, who sinned that this person um, was born blind?" And we're tempted, I think, in the same way. Like, when we see situations um, or we experience situations in our own lives that that we feel like, uh, what did I do wrong? Or because if I could fix that, I might be able to fix everything else. And I think the passage um, is inviting something different. Um, these people had issues of healing and we have lots of those in our body and um, they also the disciples also brought up the question of sin it's like well what what happens when our problems um, are sin the passage I could only see in this one last week Josh named um, Jesus saying what's easier is it easier to forgive sins or is it easier to tell somebody to to take up their mat and walk Um, but the passage in this doesn't explicitly mention sin, but it's kind of there in the background. Um, the only thing it explicitly mentions is gossiping. <laughs> the gossips were at the house where the daughter had died. And um, so it's present. I wonder about that. Um, because sometimes our problems and the areas of powerlessness in our lives are a result of sin. Things that... Um, we feel like we don't have control over. Um, I just had listed out a few things, and then I, I looked up the AA, um, the 12 steps, because we have an AA group that meets here, um, 365 days a year, every night. And their first, um, their first couple of steps are: we admitted we were powerlessness, we were powerless over alcohol. Well, I think of some of the seven deadly sins like envy, greed, gossip, lust, pride, excessive anger, um, gluttony, sloth, scapegoating, our own addictions, um, they're pretty clear that they have a sense of powerlessness over this thing that's in their lives. Um, and that they came to believe a power that was greater than themselves could restore them to sanity. and. I I wondered about that because I wondered how powerless we feel in our lives, not only for the healing that we need, but also for the ways in which we participate, the ways in which we sin. Um, On a daily, weekly, if you're in a household with another person, (laughs) it's pretty obvious to see the ways in which we um, sin individually and um, what we're concerned about. Um, And I wondered with the passage about How hard is it to ask for help in those situations where we feel like, well, maybe I'm the cause because I I can't get this right? Um, So I I wondered about that. I wondered how powerless we are in the face of things we need healing from and in the face of the ways in which we sin. Uh, That was sort of a new wonderment for me looking at this passage this time through. In looking at the passage, the gestures really just jumped out all over um, to me. Um, We see some really astounding, uh, startling points of asking for help. Ways that feel really foreign, at least when I think of myself, feel really foreign. Um, What did we see the, the father do when he came to Jesus? Jonathan almost had us kneel in the third, the third line of a song, but he knelt in front of Jesus. And how, how odd of a posture or how foreign of a posture is that for us? Um, I was going to invite us all to demonstrate, but I think I'll let that go. Um, and the, the result of that asking and that kneeling was that um, Jesus walked with him. Jesus' responsive gesture was to go with him it wasn't he went with him, he walked um, and for the woman who reached out to trust Jesus, who I assume was a stranger um, to secretly get help um, that also felt foreign, I wanted to see, I mean like, go ahead and touch the person, if you're game, touch the person's shirt in front of you, I mean it's a, it's a reaching out I'm going to see if anyone will do it Thank you, Jeff. But, but imagine like being in a crowd and, and actually believing that someone could help you, but you don't really need their attention. You just need to reach out and touch a, a little tactile piece of cloth like you think that's going to be enough. Um, and Jesus affirmed her action, affirmed that that reaching out was an act of faith, and he healed her. The crying out of the blind men seems a little more familiar, at least to me. Um, That one feels less foreign as a concept, like crying out to God about something, Um, but not a but, and. Um, Jesus' response to that crying out, that, that pleading for help, that vulnerable asking for help in a way that they couldn't do anything for themselves, they couldn't even probably, how would they know? They were probably really loud in order to get Jesus' attention, but Jesus turned and touched their eyes, and that, his response was tactile, he healed them. And then Jason, what you mentioned, like the the ones who brought their friends or loved ones or strangers um, to Jesus for healing or forgiveness, um, they weren't even. They couldn't even get there on their own. Like others needed to be responsible for them, and sometimes we need others to be responsible for us, and we need to be responsible for one another. Josh mentioned last week some of the ways in which we um, lower uh, a mat, bring a friend, is through prayer. Um, so I, I, I noticed the gestures that seemed really interesting about this passage to me. What also seemed really remarkable was um, how brave these people were to ask for what they needed, um, and to seek Jesus out for help. Like, how many of us are really good at asking for help? Go ahead, show fans. Like, how many of us actually like to say, "I need help with this. I can't get it done. It's not working." <laughs> 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 Woo! awesome, and that's good, that's good. Because it, what it shows, it actually shows, I think, an act of trust that others are going to show up, or that God's going to show up in some way to meet, um, to meet what's needed, meet you where something's needed. Um, so that was really remarkable to me, because the act of kneeling feels really physical, and how often do I do that, or do we do that? Um, but it was about, that was Really trusting um, that they understood themselves to be powerless to fix their own lives is pretty amazing. I think I would much rather believe that I can—not uh, that I want to be self-sufficient—but I, I would rather feel like I could take care of most stuff myself. I don't want to. I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to ask for help. Um, Yeah, I like what Josh said last week about our faithfulness can be seen in the loads that we carry. That was really helpful for me to hear. And I also, in looking at these stories, thought um, that these people were faithful in their gestures of trust to offer the things that weren't really theirs to carry or that they couldn't manage on their own. Um, And I don't think we're so different. some of us, many of us, in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our own lives, have burdens that are too um, too much. Together, as a body, and then individually, and things for which we need healing and forgiveness, and that both of those things feel like they're gifts of God that come from somewhere outside of ourselves, um, and that the um, yeah that stood out to me about this particular passage. Um, And I wrote down, I'm like, I think we need to be brave to kneel. We don't have to do it today, but I think we need to be brave to kneel. And that we need to be brave to cry out, to ask for help, to carry our friends, to carry one another. Um, And then, yeah, the question I wrote, I was going to, last night I was finishing up and I'm like, I started to write this in the affirmative and then I caught my breath and I'm like (gasps) do I really believe that? So I wrote it as a question instead. It's like do we really believe that Jesus is going to show up? I mean it's Pentecost Sunday, we believe that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit um, and it's not like it's a once for all, like healing isn't necessarily once for all. It feels like we have the present present that we live in. Yeah, so I ask, do we believe that Jesus will show up? That he would walk down the road or will walk down the road with us? Um, Will he actually look on us with compassion? Um, Will he touch us? Um, Or when we touch those that we love, care about, are concerned for, that we need to bring. And that's my brave moment was like, yeah, in my good moments, I really believe that. And then I think in my really hard moments of staying with grief, staying in a process that feels really, really hard, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of think Jesus shows up in those ways and that we, are, we can be brave to trust. Um, since this is, any thoughts, questions? Aaron, to Hunter.
1: demons or thinking about Darius and how connected that is to just the crap storm that injustice is and the hold that has on mm-hmm. and to see Jesus as this, like he's the strong guy here, he's the tosser out of right? No, this crap is real, and it has a hold on us.
0: And it has a hold on our society, and we need someone to show up. We are not capable of dealing with all of this.
1: So, but also that ticks people off, right? Then you got other people who are like,
0: things we can't do for ourselves. We are gonna, um, since it is Pentecost Sunday, um, we're gonna move into a short response time. Um, Jonathan is gonna, um, we're gonna sing and recite the Nicene Creed. We're also going to um, have uh, a few folks, Robin and Josh, at the back to anoint with oil, if anyone wants to um, be anointed. um, Sonia and Misty will be on the, on the sides as well. So if you, want, if, you want, if you want prayer and if you want to be anointed with oil, if you, whether it's healing or a burden or forgiveness, um, we have the possibility of that gesture if you'd like it. You can sit in your seat and be silent. We can pray with the person next to us. But mostly it's that um, the sense that we need help from outside of ourselves. And whether it's in this context or in other contexts, we have to be brave to ask. Um, and that, that we're, not, we're not all that by ourselves. So I'm going to go. start. Mm-hmm.